Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. And I'm your co-host, Beth Bradley. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Brand Collective podcast. Today we have Tara Lynch, the Senior Manager of National Marketing at Qdoba. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tara. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, we are very excited. Uh, Talk about a delicious episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As someone that's from Denver, Colorado, home of Qdoba, I believe, that's where it originated, right? This is very cool. So I want to talk about your career. And you started at big, reputable agencies uh, that include Ogilvy and & Mather and Saatchi and & Sashi. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got your foot in the door at those uh, sort of intimidating agencies? It's actually funny. I remember exactly where I was when I got the email that I would intern at Saatchi & Saatchi over the summer. So I interned with them between my junior and senior years of college. And I was in my college dorm triple (laughs) with my (laughs) two fellow lacrosse teammates. Um, And I was honestly floored because when I was interviewing for the program, um, I I went to school in Connecticut. And so I took a train into the city for an interview. And of course I missed the train. Um, I had (laughs) to get on the next one. I was so flustered. And in my true self form, I showed up like 20 minutes late for this interview, which I was like so excited about. (laughs) But I thought it was, you know, kind of over right then and there because I had missed this train. But somehow I landed an internship there um, over the summer on the account team, which was so much fun. I learned so much about advertising. I thought I knew what advertising was all about, but obviously, you know, nothing until you actually get into the building. Um, but that program was super awesome. And I had the best experience there with them. And I got to work on a couple of different brands. We did really fun, like spec work for some of their current clients. I think it was Folgers at the time. And I was just so obsessed and I wanted to make sure that I got into advertising, um, after I graduated. So the next year I, um, you know, harassed the account VP who was the <laughs> VP on the account that I worked for. Um, and I literally probably emailed her like once a week, which looking back was not the best way to do that. But <laughs> I guess it pays off because I was able to um, get a assistant account executive position on um, the Olay account for Procter & Gamble, which was amazing. So that's like really how it all started. Um, but I guess really, you know, got that internship somehow. Thank you to whoever hired me then. <laughs> kind of got my foot in the door at Saatchi and, and worked my way uh, a couple of years there and then transferred to Ogilvy um, a little bit later in my career. And, and it was great. And now you, you've made the transition to being an in-house marketer uh, for a, a major restaurant chain. How was that transition and how do you reflect on it coming from that big agency world? I worked in New York for almost five years at Saatchi and Ogilvy. And then um, a couple of my friends and I visited San Diego, moved out, you know, <laughs> fell in love with it, moved out to San Diego because it just was never even on the map. But there's a an awesome ad agency based in San Diego, worked there for a couple of years. And then one of my coworkers actually just moved over to the Qdoba side. And I grew up next to Qdoba's. They're obviously based in Denver, but they have a bunch of locations. I'm from Cincinnati myself. So they had a couple locations. I was always obsessed with it more so than its competitor, um, just because they have <laughs> queso. <laughs> mm-hmm. Queso is um, important. 
Yes, Queso is very important. So I was familiar with the brand. I was confused why it was based in San Diego, but had a friend go over there. He got me an interview um, on a team that I thought was more of like on the marketing side of things, but I ended up being in product marketing. Um, and on the outside world, that's typically like a software role, software engineering, but on the Qdoba side of things and in the food and um, bev industry, it is really menu related. And it was so eye-opening. It It's still a real like brand manager-ish-esque role, um, but got that, you know, in interview was able to kind of get that job really because I knew the brand. I think honestly, that's a big piece of it. I really like loved and knew everything about there is to know. And then once they told me like what the role was going to be, I was super excited because it's all food related, um, really, you know, working on the development and testing and launching of all of their menu items and also just managing the menu. Um, so I was just so excited about that. And I think because I was so excited about the role, like I wasn't as scared as making the jump over to the client side, but I, you know, was just excited to be there. It's so fantastic to to find a place in a, as someone who lived in New York for a long time and then moved to Southern California, what a dreamy transformation that is. <laughs> I know. Uh, it really is like this life can be like this <laughs> i know i was like wow i don't have to live in a tiny apartment with three people anymore this is amazing <laughs> but it's really sweet can i ask uh about the timing because in our introduction you mentioned that that role came right as covid came and and obviously covid affected the restaurant industry maybe more than any other industry can you talk about coming in at that moment and how that challenged you? So I actually joined Kidova nine days before the shutdown happened, kind of national, oh, wow. globally. Um, that early March so like, 2020. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think my start date was like March 9th. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> Um, so I got two nice weeks in the office. Mm -hmm. um, I think actually it was only like six days. It was nine days. Yeah. Six days of the actual office time, nine days before everything shut down. And so I got to meet this new team, you know, standard Monday through Friday, nine to five, and then literally have not been back in the office because of the transition to more of like a hybrid, you know, schedule since then, you know, for five days a week. Um, as you mentioned, you know, restaurants got super hard. And I think a lot of it was just around, we kind of had to learn about what was going on with the virus, how it was being mm. transmitted, was food a concern? You know, people, obviously the, the six foot rule was a big part of closing down our, you know, in restaurant seating. Um, so we really had to do a lot of learning about the virus and like knowing what's going on with that in terms, you know, while the rest of the world is learning while also being able to continue our sales because our sales were just dropping, you know, mm -hmm. in, because people just didn't know what they didn't know about the virus. So it was really, really tough. Um, I think it was a crash course in restaurant marketing for me because I, you know, not only didn't know what regular restaurant marketing looked like because I never got to work on a restaurant brand when I worked um, in the advertising space, um, which I would have loved. I wish I got to work on an mm -hmm. a restaurant brand when I worked in the my two agency experience, three agency experiences, but just had to learn so much about what restaurant marketing looks like. And then also how do we do this big pivot in these, these COVID unprecedented times? Um, so for us, it was 
how do we take our very much kind of we're a fast casual restaurant where if you're not familiar with Kidoba, it's very similar um, to a Chipotle or a Cava. If you're familiar with those brands um, where you go in, you order down the line, you pick your entree type and you order and you go down the line and we have a bunch of different, you know, toppings and flavors and proteins and all those things. Um, so we're a fast casual restaurant where you go in a lot of our uh, consumers today are, you know, either dining in the restaurant or um, picking up and going, taking it to go. Um, and our digital mix, we had just launched our new app and website, I think like two months right before um, COVID hit. So it was like incredible timing for us because if we didn't have that like launched, it would have been just another issue that would have, you mm -hmm. know, we would have had to face in terms of that, that weird and horrible time. Um, so really we, we had to figure out how to change all of our marketing, change all of our menu offerings to really be this like to-go experience. Um, delivery, you know, we started working on curbside. You, you've seen you've seen kind of an explosion of that. More so in the retail space, I feel like some of the um, competitors in the restaurant space have pulled back on curbside just because it's a lot for the team members to be running food out mm. and delivering it. But that was a brand new way of, you know, ordering and receiving your food and, and goods from restaurants and retailers during the store. So it was just, you know, a lot of teamwork. I think um, we were all learning together um, and then really just trying to understand how you take a fast casual model and make it so online ordering and delivery focused. Yeah. yeah in that time, that, it was that like is wild. the jump start of all those like DoorDash. Mm -hmm. And I feel like all of those uh, kind of gig economy, food delivery yeah. services just mm -hmm. exploded. Yeah, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but it was honestly like for me, you know, someone new, I, I loved it in a way because I just got to learn so much in like three months that I think that would have not happened mm. if I'd started at any other time. So for mm -hmm. me, in terms of just learning a new job, understanding, you know, how restaurants work and how they market things, like it was just an it was just a crazy experience because, you know, I will never, I would have never guessed that would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And kind of thinking about that, like that crash course and restaurant and food marketing that you got, what do you love about that? Like, what's your favorite part as opposed to just other, you know, industries and services and products you've worked on? Yeah. So I, I love food. <laughs> so <laughs> I Same. think you have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to love food to work mm -hmm. in food. Um, and I think it really does help that our food is really good. Um, we, and like I said, I, I knew the brand. I love the brand. Um, it, what's interesting about Kidoba is we have over 700 restaurants, but we definitely have a brand awareness problem. I mm -hmm. think because of our, locations we're kind of we're, we're located all over mm -hmm. um the u.s and in puerto rico and canada um but we are kind of pocketed in certain areas so denver's huge for us we mm -hmm. have a bunch of restaurants up in seattle we have um a lot of presence on the east coast like boston baltimore um, and then we have a huge presence in the midwest we have you know milwaukee and wisconsin and michigan and all these places so while we have a big like consolidation of restaurants in these key markets, a lot of people have either never even heard of a Kidoba or have never tried it. Mm -hmm. um, but so that's that's been really interesting. I will say from a food perspective, I it's really easy and relatable to talk about from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. Really, 
like most people love food. Most people want to try flavors. Um, a lot of the research we do on our guests and, you know, target audience is, you know, people are really looking for like bold new flavors and they really want to try something that's going to, you know, a make them feel good about spending their money on it. And then also, um, just make them, you know, feel happy and felt like that was a great experience. So I think being able to kind of market a product that is just something that people like is yeah. <laughs> really nice. Really yeah. nice. <laughs> Not a lot of barrier there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. I've done other things like agriculture companies and I'm like, you know, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Telling a story that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. That's, that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your team in particular, your role at Qdoba and kind of how you bring those new menu items and flavors to life. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I started um, at Qdoba as a product marketing manager and mm -hmm. typically what that means at a company is you work really closely with our culinary arm mm -hmm. to develop and test new menu items, manage the menu in terms of, you know, what's the most effective mix of items to have on the menu that are kind of driving the most reach with our guests. Um, and then also just constantly innovating and staying on top of trends. So the way it works is, you know, product marketing, you really work cross-functionally with a lot of the different teams. So it's the culinary team, it's the operations team who's like helping develop all mm -hmm. the procedures for these new items. And then obviously with that comes supply chain. So there's new things that need to be brought into the restaurant to support some new menu innovations. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really cross-functional role. Um, and that's that's kind of how I started my, my gig here at Qdoba. Um, and really what we do is, you know, typically for a normal project is we'll stay on top of trends. Um, sometimes we'll run some concept research to kind of narrow in on ideas that we think might be appealing to our guests. Um, and then we would obviously go into some testing. But what's interesting about what we do, I think that's unlike other, you know, types of companies as mm -hmm. we do market test a lot of things. Oh, cool. Um, and I think it's very standard within the restaurant space, but it was new to me coming into this mm -hmm. role that you would go into like a full market test before you launch anything nationally. And so we run a lot of those tests. And when we do that, we look at guest feedback. We look at um, operations, like how did this product, you know, positively or negatively impact the operations for the teams? Because mm -hmm. honestly, the people in our restaurant are the people who deal with our guests every mm -hmm. day. They're the most important people. And we always say that the general manager of our restaurants are the most important person at this company um, because they're they're dealing with the customers day on day in, day out. They're dealing with the teams. They, you know, are fostering growth. They're working on training. They're they're doing so many things. And our job it when we're working on menus innovations is to really not make their lives harder. Yeah. <laughs> but also make sure we're bringing in new guests. So um, it's a really interesting job. And I think what I also love about it is you get that FaceTime with the team members. Um, typically we would go and visit them anytime anything's being tested, get oh, their cool. feedback in person, see how all of the merchandising is set up for the restaurants and really just have a nice dialogue and access to the people who are serving our food every mm -hmm. day. Um, so it's really great. And then once things make it through market tests, you know, we we make the decision whether or not to launch them system wide, mm -hmm. pull back. Sometimes we remarket test, we do tweaks on things. Um, 
But our goal is really to introduce things that kind of meet objectives in all of those key areas. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, that kind of balance of your team and then your customers too, like making sure <laughs> that all of the, yeah, that's kind of how you, how you get to that best experience. That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. That people enjoy it, but also that it's not just a pain to create and make. Yeah. Everything. It takes 12 minutes or yeah. something. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think Qdoba too, like we might not get as much credit. I, I, we make a lot of our ingredients and food in-house daily. Like it's freshly prepared. We do not have microwaves. They're prepping the guacamole every day. They're mm -hmm. making the pico by hand. They are grilling our chicken and our steak like right in front of you. You can usually see it. So I think we have a really great model, but there's a lot of work that goes into kind of prepping everything that we, you know, make for our guests. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. We're going to pause right now, go into a little bit of marketing rapid fire <laughs> question. So uh, if you need to sort of switch gears in your brain. And the first one, what do you think is the most useful marketing metric? I think for my job today, I would say it's probably profitability on our side because I think we do operate a, uh, a restaurant. So I think profitability in terms of what we are selling, but also how it's getting back to the bottom line and how we're spending our mm. our dollars. So I think for me, as somebody who manages the national marketing efforts for the brand, we always want to do something that's profitable, but also is driving, you know, brand awareness. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. Restaurants are notoriously thin margins. So I'm sure mm. that's a that's a major concern. Next up here, what is a recent marketing campaign that you have loved? I am just such a fan. Well, I know it's obviously we're we're prepping as we're recording this. We're going into Super Bowl weekend. Mm -hmm. um, but I recently saw some of the work for E-Trade. And I do not know why. I just love the talking babies. Those are good. So much. Yeah. And I, yeah. like, I, I know they've been around forever, but they had, I think this year's Super Bowl spot, they have um, the kids playing pickleball. And I just was like, this is genius. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody loves Aww. pickleball. Everybody loves these little talking mm -hmm. babies. Now, have I ever done anything with E-Trade as a result of these? No, but I, I know who they are. I know what yeah. they are. And I just think it's a sticky campaign and I think it's just something that everybody loves. So yeah. do such a good job. Yeah. It's super memorable. You're right. Yeah. Like it's yeah. been, a, yeah. Cause you're right. I was like, how long has that been around? <laughs> like, it's totally. been around a long yeah, time. Super. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Pete Holmes, the comedian behind one of the babies. I mean, his whole career has taken off. Oh, he yeah. was like a little known <laughs> yeah. New York right. indie comic when he did the original yeah. E-Trade Babies. And now he's like yeah. a, more of a household name comedian. Oh you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, his career yeah. has really taken mm -hmm. off in the time that he's been the E-Trade baby. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Star maker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are some brands that you go to for inspiration in the role that you have? Honestly, so for my role right now, I do look at McDonald's a lot. And I think for a couple different reasons, I think they have a best in class loyalty program. Um, mm. I, I guess I go to McDonald's a fair amount, um, which I'm <laughs> yeah. not ashamed of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vanilla cone is my life, but, um, we, we, we constantly look at them from a technology perspective. I think they have just, they figured it out how to reward their, their customers. They, they, their app is seamless. I even, we went, actually, we do some competitive shops internally just for inspiration on our teams, just to keep a pulse on 
you know, what our customers are going to, because we do look at cross shop behavior a lot with our guests and they're going to McDonald's, they're going to Starbucks, mm-hmm. like the places that you would think of. Um, so our team does like little visits just to get some inspiration. So I was recently at McDonald's again, and <laughs> they just have it figured out. Like they have kind of all the different more ordering modes in restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to talk to somebody, there's a kiosk there. Not sure. I'm that kind of person. I like to order at the mm-hmm. counter. Um, all, all of their digital menu boards, like everything is very digital forward. And I think that's just a reflection of like what people expect today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, we look at them maybe not necessarily on their master advertising level because it's kind of a different approach than what we would take. But I think just their tech stack, everything that they're doing in the loyalty space, everything that they're doing from a convenience perspective is really something that, you know, we look to them for inspiration on. That's cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Like make it easy for people to give you their money. You know, <laughs> like yeah. if you don't feel like talking to somebody that day, then <laughs> totally. yeah, yeah, you yeah. can still, yeah, that's super. Yeah, that's really interesting. Kind of switching back into your role. Um, how do you, th- and just your your background, how do you think your time at the agency space um, continues to impact the way that you work? And is there anything that you learned there that you, you still apply now? Yeah, for sure. So when I worked at Saatchi, my first job, um, I worked on a Procter & Gamble account. And I think it's honestly one of the best ways to start your career in advertising mm. because they do so much process. I feel like they've figured out how to manage like marketing campaigns for global mm. activation. And you just have to learn, you know, how to do everything um, when working on that account. So I think from a process perspective, like that was a best in class, you know, client to, to work on. Cool. Um, I think honestly, you know, it's, it's really easy to take how creative is reviewed, developed and, you know, activated and be able to kind of flip that experience and understand kind of where the agencies that we work with are coming from on Mm -hmm. creative idea development and, um, just understanding how things work from a production perspective for assets. So I honestly Mm -hmm. think it was invaluable experience to be able Mm -hmm. to have, all of the behind the scenes, you know, stuff that you do at agencies, understanding what goes into all of that and being mm-hmm. able to work with the agencies effectively and understand kind of how everything works on the other side of things. Um, just having that awareness, I think is is so key. And like I said, process, I think for menu initiatives and now for, oh, cool. we do all promotions as well in um, my new role. Um, so things like buy one, get one off, like we'll do some really cool, cool and rich discounting on specific days that mm-hmm. like our guests expect. Um, just knowing how to work with the teams and just that process and rigor around just making sure there's that flow of communication and mm-hmm. everything you need that goes into a launch. Um, it's just been so easily translatable to this role. Cool. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I feel like that's the stuff you don't learn a lot of the time in school too. It's like actually how, like, what's the process? How does it go from point yeah. A to point B? And that's, yeah, that's an excellent training in that. Yeah, and so, being able like, to just yeah. relate to what uh, the agencies that you're working with are going mm-hmm. to, or I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you find yourself working with any of your former colleagues or former companies? <laughs> Not colleagues, but um, we actually just partnered and we did a big press release. We're now with working with Leo Burnett in Chicago and they're in the publicist network. Um, so we used to work with them like as part of Olay. I think they did some piece of their Olay business. So it's just funny how like things like come full mm-hmm. circle. Um, but then, you know, 
I think San Diego agencies or marketing world is small. So there's some people who have now work at Qdoba who like I've worked with in the past. And I think, you know, the food industry is actually pretty small. Um, Mm -hmm. So people who like my boss who have been in um, basically restaurant marketing her entire career, she's like, I know people at every single company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, (laughs) it is the world is small. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you mentioned that there's lots of tests that you have to complete before you launch something nationally. So can you walk us through some of that testing and then and just what that process looks like? Yeah. So we actually just launched, relaunched shrimp um, on our menu again. And (laughs) um, like I mentioned before, I think, you know, people who are not familiar with the brand may think that's weird. Um, But we really are having the teams like freshly saute the Mm -hmm. product in-house. So for shrimp, we had traditionally not had that on the menu. Um, We had done a test prior to my time that ended up in a national launch, but the results weren't great. So we went kind of back to the drawing board, um, kind of worked through how the best way to offer this protein to our guests would be, um, and really kind of had to test it rigorously. I think this is one of those things that was more complex for the restaurants. I think as you're thinking about proteins like grilling, sure, pretty simple to understand, but with shrimp comes an allergy, comes all of these different things that have not been in our restaurants before and has to be message has to be thought through from like a procedure perspective. So all of that stuff. But what we learned is that it's, it's a really attractive protein to our, mm-hmm. our guests. I think like they're looking for sometimes that option that is um, a little bit more premium, but also potentially a little bit lighter, you know, and it mm-hmm. goes great with our food. So we did a lot of work around it, but for that item in particular, you know, we really had to, test it. Um, and there's certain things that require like strictly operational test, you know, things that happen. And this is one that just had to keep going through a couple of different iterations Mm -hmm. to get it right for the restaurants. Ultimately, like we're making changes with the teams by gathering feedback. And then as it kind of progresses to the next stage, we'll, we'll tweak things accordingly. And then when we get to that market test, you know, it's merchandised and restaurant, we're getting field feedback, getting consumer feedback from people who are buying it. Um, and just really kind of evaluating all of those things and and putting it into um, a recommendation for a system. And I think honestly, the the key is just hearing the feedback from the teams, mm-hmm. um, tweaking the messaging, you know, based off of learnings we see, you know, in the market test, and then really just blowing it out for for launch. But that's a perfect example of something that went like through our very rigorous mm-hmm. process to to get to, to get on the menu, basically. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've had it and it's very delicious. So yeah. <laughs> I can attest. Yeah. What is it like yeah. a spicy shrimp? Is it a cilantro shrimp? Like what are the, what's the components? It's um, citrus lime, citrus okay. lime shrimp. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So it really goes great with everything. Like we, we nailed it. My culinary um, teammate, she, she, it's like, we call it our baby because it was her oh. and I's project. But, a little shrimp um, baby. Little shrimp baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 How long is that process from, mm-hmm. uh, like I'm sure that the ideas originate in some sort of like this is popular right now in you know yeah. Southwestern cuisine, Mexican cuisine, Latin cuisine. Maybe we try yeah. it. Um, how yeah. long until it ends up in the testing phase, and then how long until that testing phase translates into a menu item? It really depends um, because some things, you know, we'll see a trend and we want to move really fast on it to get it on the menu. Um, but for something like shrimp, where it takes like commercialization with the the vendor, 
Um, you know, we, we obviously had to like source the correct amount of shrimp. I think that's another thing that's very interesting about, mm-hmm. you know, marketing new products is there's this whole forecasting element that like was never part of my agency life. Mm-hmm. I think like the data side of things and just like being accountable for like how much product you're ordering from a supplier was just crazy to me. I'm like, this is, it has to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, it really does depend. I think if something were to follow a process like shrimp, I believe it took almost two years for us mm-hmm. to get it on the menu nationally. Um, because really the upfront phase moves pretty quickly in terms of like the, the concept level, but then the testing phase and the commercialization of the product can take, it can vary so, so much depending on how long it takes the supplier to produce, you know, what mm-hmm. goes into it and get it into our distribution centers and get it to the restaurant. There's like all these different timeline components that have to be managed um, in order to get to like a certain launch date. So it's, it's fun. I think of it as a big puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, just the perishability of, of the product is so, mm-hmm. yeah. that's so crucial. Any trends that you jumped on quickly or any food trends that, that in your tenure? I think a good example is obviously we have, or actually people may not know, we have brisket birria on our menu and what started as a brisket improvement project. So sometimes we'll, we'll take a look at our products and we're like, okay, you know, this is too salty or this Mm -hmm. is, you know, we want this to be better from like a a texture perspective. Um, We'll, we'll start a project on improvement of quality. Um, So that project really started as a quality improvement project um, of our brisket because we always had brisket on the menu and then birria exploded I think Mm -hmm. it was two years ago um, and we launched we were working on it we had to test it and then launched birria kind of like one of the first brands to launch birria I think El Pollo Loco might have beat us just by a little bit but Mm -hmm. in terms of a birria-esque product that is inspired by the the birria trend we were Mm -hmm. able to kind of position our brisket as a birria product because it is really, you know, slow cooked for mm-hmm. 10 hours in chilies and garlic. And then we, we basically take it and we put it on our line and it's still sitting there in those delicious like juices that, you know, obviously go into a, a classic birria. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, that was one where we jumped on a trend and it really worked for us. I think, you know, people, people want to see like what they're seeing, you know, from a popular ingredient perspective and they want it to be accessible. And I think mm-hmm. that's the perfect kind of magic that happened with brisket birria. Yum. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Episode. <laughs> I know. There's a Qdoba yeah. maybe Hungry. six blocks from my house, and I think I might have to yeah. go there for lunch today. Same, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that's the one thing we do get to eat a lot, too. I think that that's a fun part of my job. I forgot to mention before is, you mm. know, we part of my job is eating a lot of Qdoba food and we have to taste things. Um, sometimes, for example, we'll bring in secondary suppliers for mm-hmm. things like chips. You always want to make sure you're not you're never running out of chips. And so you'll you'll taste things side by side and you're like trying to find the difference between the two different chips. And it's just really fun and delicious. Yeah. <laughs> nice perk. <laughs> yes, that that's a pretty awesome perk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you talked about met- working with metrics in this role a lot more than um, you had previously. So um, what are what are the ones, I mean, you mentioned profitability, but yeah, just in general, like what, what tends to be most important, most insightful? Yeah, so um, I think, like I mentioned, we do a lot of forecasting for on the ingredient side of mm-hmm. things, but we also do that for like promotions where, 
you know, if we're running a promotion, we want to understand how many people it might reach, how mm-hmm. many people we expect to re- redeem it. What does that look like in terms of the break even for kind of the return on the promotional investment? So we're constantly looking mm-hmm. at kind of how anything we do has um, an impact on our business. Um, I think for, I'll keep it menu related just because there's so mm-hmm. many different ones, yeah. but <laughs> what we look at a lot of times is because of our model, we obviously charge by protein. So when you mm-hmm. go into Kidoba, you say, I want a quesadilla or I want a bowl. Um, the entree prices are the same. If you order kind of a different protein, they kind of Mm-hmm. very based off of, you know, what you're doing. So we're mm-hmm. constantly looking at kind of the protein mix um, where we want to know how many people are ordering chicken, mm-hmm. premium proteins, all of those things. Um, and we call that P-mix. And then um, we look at sales mix and we look at um, a lot of check builders too. So like things like if people are adding free, uh, if they're adding um, queso and chips to their meal or mm-hmm. drink attachment, all of that stuff. So it's really kind of a 360 view. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're looking at, you know, things that are being launched, we really want to make sure we're driving incrementality from a sales perspective, mm-hmm. just to make sure that we're not just trading guests into other things on our menu. If we launch something, we really want to make sure that it's bringing new guests into the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's cool. yeah, looking at mm-hmm. just the whole sphere of things and um, I think it's just really helpful to have access to that data. I think back in agency world, like you're so focused, at least maybe me more mm-hmm. so because I was started my career in advertising on just getting the work done. Mm-hmm. You sometimes don't have that bigger view of, you know, the data that goes into everything and mm-hmm. why like the sales piece matters so much. So I, I love that part about my mm-hmm. job. I think it's just one of the best things that I've gotten out of this experience. And it, it really does matter because, you know, you're driving your business ultimately. Cool. Yeah. 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 That is interesting. I hadn't thought about that growth piece that it's not just like, oh, someone who always gets steak got shrimp today or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Getting new people interested and and to know you. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. This is, it's so fascinating because it, it's just mm-hmm. so thoughtful uh, around something that seems so simple. But I think that's the mm-hmm often the beauty in marketing is that you're you're mm-hmm. trying to constantly tell new stories constantly around you know making it the most simple and appealing uh yeah when we first talked you talked about being present at the photo shoots which that's pretty cool because i do feel like there's a mm-hmm. lot of rules around food photo shoots uh <laughs> just in terms of how authentic it, it has to be and how real it has to be yeah. um can you share some of the stories of of being present at those Qdoba photo shoots <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, it's funny. Cause I, I used to love my favorite part of my job. of <laughs> My previous role was being able to go on the shoots because they're these like insane productions, um, multi-day when you're shooting food, it is a lot more rigorous. I think you have to be very mindful that what you're shooting is actually a representation of what the guest is going to get. And I think sometimes it just doesn't work out. You're like working on something like for so long, trying to make it look right, making sure that like the correct portion size of shrimp is shown on a bowl, um, making sure that there's not too many shrimp on a bowl. I remember there's one time we were like, oh no, our portion size is actually huge. We give 10, 10 pieces of shrimp per entree. Um, but I think we like caught that there was like 11. We were like, we have to redo this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's really um, a massive attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And I, I applaud food photographers because Mm. they have to deal with a lot of um, feedback because you really need it to be 
an accurate representation of what is going to be served. But I think like the lifestyle pieces, it's, it's what you expect. Like there's no real, you know, change from any other type of shoot, but I think the food portion is what I was not ready for in terms of like that tomato looks a little pale and you need it to be (laughs) right color Mm -hmm. tomato. And you're like, why is this like this? This is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But it is fun. I always love a shoot. I think um, it's really good experience. And we always have our culinary people on set to make sure that the portion sizes are exactly what they're supposed to be. And um, they do a lot of work for us. So thank you to everybody who works on our shoots. I know it's, I know it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. How often do you do shoots? Um, it varies. I would say we have actually, well, I don't know what it's going to look like this year, but last year we had probably 10 shoots Nice happening, it's a lot. which is a lot. I think we broke them down into pieces because you spend so much time, but we typically do, you know, couple different initiatives a year, but we also have a massive catering program and shooting catering is also another challenge. We have an amazing catering program um, because we have like hot bars and they're Mm. served hot and you can basically create the in-restaurant model at your house, which is, or wherever you're hosting your event. Um, But it's a big setup that you have to like capture and it's just a lot goes into it. So, Mm. oh, everything about this episode is making me hungry. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had a thought about uh, feedback and how feedback nowadays uh, is so linked to social media and and trends and uh, you know viral moments. Uh, does Qdoba scan social feedback for what people are saying about their food and and how does that play out? And it, have there been any moments that Qdoba has like? achieve some level of virality, maybe Mm -hmm. unannounced to you or unexpected to you? Yeah, I think two examples. One comes to mind. So last year, you might have seen this. Chipotle had this influencer. He basically did a menu hack where he ordered one of their quesadillas and they only do quesadillas digitally. So we actually offer them like all the time. They're part of our business model. They only do them digitally because they're hard to make. And the way that they make them, I think, is more labor intensive. So he did this incredible concoction of ingredients that basically you're not allowed to do on their ordering site. (laughs) And what we did, because we have basically all the same ingredients, we launched it and basically ran we launched the exact same build basically for Qdoba's version and we said, Hey guys, you can get this at Qdoba. What happened with all the virality around that launch for them was that they were like, Hey, we know you guys love this, but we can't launch it for another two months. And we were able to basically jump on it and be like, Hey guys, we can offer this (laughs) to you today. Come to Qdoba and actually picked up a lot of press. So it worked really well for us. Um, So I think menu hacks is something Mm -hmm. That's like huge for our guests. They love to like eat their food, like in the car. They like to show you like what, what they've created with like mm-hmm. all these things. I think it's a really rich territory for like all restaurant brands to like be able to like come up with these like cool menu hacks. Um, So that was a really cool one too. Yeah. Was that, yeah. this might not be the moment, but was that hack around getting like more Chipotle food than you normally are able to get? or something just through That's what order. I remember about it too. Yeah. They did one I, I feel like they did a lot of them and that was actually bad for bad for probably their profitability mm-hmm. but they um this one specifically was he was putting fajitas inside a quesadilla and it came with 
I think they have this dressing, kind of like this like spicy vinaigrette, and oh, you're not yeah. supposed to be able to get it like with any other entree. It's only if you get it with the um like a salad bowl or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I'm gonna get this these fajitas in this quesadilla. I'm gonna get this side of uh vinaigrette, and it's just not allowed. So <laughs> we were able to basically we have a similar dressing, so we were able to like replicate it, drive people to our restaurant, which was great. And then we promoted it on our um, ordering site, which was really fun. And it was all easy for us to do because our model supports it with no issues. Yeah, that's really clever. I am a big fan of like hip social media in the restaurant space because I feel like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of very fun, like tongue in cheek ribbing of each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. But to your point, though, a lot of people do stuff with, you know, you'll see a lot of things on how can you make the most out of your meal? Mm -hmm. And that is another space that has kind of blown up for us because we do have things like, um, like family meals where like you could buy a family meal and be fed for the entire week Mm -hmm. if you wanted to. And you like used it as your meal Mm -hmm. prep. And I think keto, uh, does a good job of that. The other thing we see on social a lot is, um, when we have LTO items that go away, um, deletions are very hard because guests get really attached mm-hmm. to things. And I think, you know, our goal from a brand perspective is to offer the right amount of ingredients. Obviously we don't want to break the restaurants. Um, but two items that our guests love and are just clamoring for every year are tortilla soup, which is actually back on the menu because of the demand from our <laughs> guests. And then, um, we do a, Almost annual promotion, not not every year, but mango salsa is one of our other big things that we do. Um, and those two things, no matter what, like it could be a post about the Super Bowl or it could be a post about, <laughs> I don't know, like something over the summer. And they'll be like, bring back the soup, bring back <laughs> mango salsa. <laughs> so, every time we're like, we, we this always happens, but yeah. <laughs> we do listen to them. And I think like what we've learned from that is like, there are you know, certain items like that our guests love and it, being able to promote um, items that, you know, are, are recurring on our menu or just items that are already on our menu that we know our guests love. Plus this like nice, you know, new product launches. I think it's a really good balance of, you know, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Yeah. It's so awesome. Uh, I really appreciate you joining today because it's a, it's a very mm-hmm. fun space to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to oh, end cool. our episode, we always ask three questions uh, that are sort of more about you. Uh, and these ones are fun today. So if you had to give a PowerPoint presentation of any subject not in the marketing and restaurant <laughs> space, uh, what subject do you think you would feel confident in? So I love the band Fish. And I think <laughs> <Nice>. I could. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could give a really good presentation nice. on why they are the best band in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'm sure so, a lot of people um, would tune in. I think yeah. so. I, I'm happy to do it. If you guys want to hear yeah, about yeah. it, I'll send it over. We'll do another episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I love them. Cool. I, I've seen way too many concerts of theirs, but they're just an incredible band. And that would definitely be my subject. Nice. <laughs> uh, they do have such a connection, like with yeah. their fans. It's like, yeah, one of, yeah, it's amazing. I just don't know how they do it. They're all mm-hmm. like older, and I'm like, I'm tired just doing yeah. my. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. <True>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could go back and relive one memory, what comes to mind? Probably when 
honestly, this popped into my mind. So it's probably what it is. I, when I was younger, my family took a trip to Greece and I was obsessed with it. And I would love to just go back to that. There's one day that I like, just remember was like a perfect day in Greece. And I was like, I want to relive this day for the rest of my life. So probably that. (laughs) What food was included in that day? Cause Greece had some incredible food. I love Mediterranean food too. Mm-hmm. So I think like, honestly, anything that would be there would be perfect mm-hmm. for me, but it's just one of my favorite cuisines. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, so good. Oh, awesome. So mm-hmm. this is a question that I'm very excited for, for this episode. So if you right now could order any meal, regardless of price or <laughs> ingredient constraints, what meal do you think you would order? What's, what's the mm. perfect order? All right, I'm going to keep it local because mm-hmm. I do. I think San Diego has really good food <laughs> and really good Mexican food. And I'm not just saying that because I work at Qdoba, but there is this surf and turf burrito that I, me and my boyfriend love to get. Typically, if we run, you know, we'll 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 do like a two mile run. We're like, we need a burrito yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to reward ourselves. Um, we usually go to this taco shop in, um, it's in Pacific beach where I live, but it's called Harry's taco shop. And literally they have this just incredible surf and turf, California burrito. And it has just the perfect amount of ingredients. It has, um, it comes with like all of these different cremas and salsas and we just split it with a side of rice and beans and it's just perfect. So I think that that's what I would really want, but yeah. that may be what I want right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I to oh my, I miss all that. The so- SoCal burrito shacks and like beach side burrito yeah. shacks. It's what a great culture that is. It's so good. I also love breakfast, but I'm feeling more in the surf and turf camp today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the surf? Is it like a fish or is it like a uh, more of like a crab or seafood or? It's shrimp. So they do okay. like freshly grilled shrimp with like this carne asada steak and they put oh. French fries in California burritos oh, and yeah. then um, a little bit of rice. And it is just so good. Like it's just delicious. Mm-hmm. I crave it all the time. Incredible. Well, Tara, thank you so much for joining us. We, we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been so fun. It's been so fun. Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast, where we like to say, strong brands live here. Join us as we build the Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. And if you feel inspired, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Until next time, this has been the Brand Collective.